Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gotama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're going to be doing live guided meditation. I'm going to talk for all of about two more minutes and then we're going to go right into meditation because this is our very first Saturday live guided meditation session. This was suggested by several of our members in our community, several students who have been studying with the group learning program. And it's something that I was planning to do as part of our Pali Canon and English program that's starting in about two months. The way that that program is going to work starting on January 9th is we're going to do meditation right away at the very beginning of that session every single Saturday. And then we're going to move into studying the Pali Canon. So I thought that since there's a real interest in having live guided meditations where we go right into meditation as a community, that we would actually start doing that today. And over the next two months, which is essentially the bulk of the winter, it'll give everybody kind of a way to ignite their meditation practice where you can come here every Saturday and join us for guided meditation and helping you to further and deepen your breathing mindfulness meditation practice as well as your loving kindness meditation practice. We are going to do meditation at the very beginning of each session and then after meditation, if there's any questions, we'll take questions. So I would like to invite all of you guys to pull up a cushion, pull up a chair, grab a yoga mat, whatever position you like for meditation. I'm going to be in the seated position. You're welcome to take any position that you like, either seated, standing, or lying. Once you're in position, just go ahead and close your eyes. We've got several people joining us from all over the world in our Zoom virtual classroom, as well as live on Facebook, YouTube. This is being recorded for our podcast. So we're going to just meditate as a community today and just kind of be here for each other as a support and as encouragement to really ignite our meditation practice. We realize that our meditation practice is an independent journey. It requires independent effort, but having good companions, good comrades, and good associates is very helpful to encourage us and keep us all moving in the right direction, but recognizing it's an independent journey. So once you're in your position, either seated, lying, or standing, be sure to close your eyes and take some nice deep breaths through the nose. Breathing in and out. 
Just develop a nice natural breath. Breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. The breath is the present moment. What you would like to do is fixate the mind on the present moment, on the breath. Establish a nice, steady, consistent breath. I'm going to leave you here observing the sound of the breath or the sensation of the air moving into the nose. I'm going to do some chanting to kind of ease us into meditation and then I'll be back with some more guidance. Arahang Samma Samhoto Mahakava Potang Mahakavandang Apivate Ami Savakato Mahakavata Tammo Tamang Namasami Supatipano Mahakavato Savakasankho Sankhang Namami Napmodhasabhakavato Arahato Samasamputasa Napmodhasabhakavato Arahato Samasamputasa Napmodhasabhakavato Arahato Samasamputasa Iti piso mahakawa Arahang samasamhoto Vichacharanang samhuno Sakato roka vitu Anu tero purisa Dama sati satatava Manu sanang Huto pakavati
Okay, we're all here to support each other in our meditation practice. Still recognizing that it's an independent practice, an independent journey. But we turn to the community for support and encouragement. So we come together today to meditate as a community all throughout the world. So just breathe in through the nose and out through the nose. Develop a nice natural breath. The breath is the present moment. As there's thoughts of the past that come to the mind, cut those off. Let them go. Focus the mind on the breath. As thoughts of the future come to the mind, cut those off. Let them go. Bring the mind to the breath. Breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. The breath is the present moment. As thoughts, ideas, or perceptions come to mind, cut those off, let them go. Bring the mind to the breath. We're not trying to eliminate our thoughts. You're always going to have thoughts. But what we're doing is we're training the mind to keep coming back to the breath. Through you training your mind this way, then you will be able to control the mind. So as there's thoughts, ideas, perceptions, the past or the future, wherever you notice that, just cut it off, let it go. Focus on the breath. The breath is the present moment. What you're doing is you're building awareness of mind. You'll be more readily able to observe the mind and be aware of the thoughts that are arising. And as soon as you notice in meditation that there's a thought that arises, just let it go. Focus on the breath. This is going to teach you how to control the mind and bring the mind into the present moment, which is the breath. In the present moment, 
the mind can be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. But if it's in the past or the future, having random thoughts, ideas, and perceptions, the mind will be discontent. It's only when you bring the mind to the present moment that it can reside peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. Breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Because we're working on eliminating attachment, the way the mind fixes on things and expects it to be permanent, I'm not even interested in you fixing the mind on my voice. And because this is an independent journey, I'm going to be quiet and let you train the mind to fixate on the breath. So my voice is going to be quiet, but I'm still here with you. I'm still supporting you. I'm still encouraging you in your meditation to apply effort to focus on the breath. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now. Just focus on the breath.
Repeat these affirmations in the mind. May I be peaceful. safe. free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May we be safe. discontentedness and the suffering it causes. do not yet understand impermanence, may they all be peaceful.
may be safe. May they be well. discontentedness and the suffering it causes. experience painful feelings, may they be peaceful. safe. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. experience pleasant feelings, may they all be peaceful. safe.
may they be well. free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. experience feelings that are neither painful nor pleasant, be peaceful. safe. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. safe.
may they be well. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those who are unaware of the Eightfold Path, may they all be peaceful. May they be safe. be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. beings, wherever they reside, in the five realms of existence, in hell, afflicted spirits, animals, humans, and heavenly beings, all be peaceful. be safe.
may they be well. May they be free of discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Continue focusing on the breath, the present moment. You have nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. No one needs you right now.
slowly start coming out of meditation. I don't usually look at the clock when I meditate, but since we were online, I just was interested to be sensitive to everyone's time. It looks like we meditated for almost an hour, which is quite a nice meditation session. Your decision to meditate and undergo this training is absolutely the best thing you could ever do in your life. The best thing you can do for your life, those close to you, 
in all of humanity. Because by you improving the condition of your mind, you're causing less and less harm in the world. So oftentimes we're taught that focusing on yourself is actually selfish. But in reality, by you training your mind and eliminating the harm that you're causing in the world through your intentions, your speech, your actions, your livelihood, this is actually the best thing you could ever do for the entire world. So by you focusing on your own mind and your own training, you're helping yourself, yes, but you're actually helping the entire world because all of the people that are close to you aren't going to experience harm from you because you're training your mind in meditation and you're training your mind on the Eightfold Path to eliminate the harm that you're causing in the world. So therefore, because of the natural law of gamma, you causing less and less harm in the world, less and less harm is going to come back to you. And this is how you move your mind in your life to more and more peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy by practicing the entire Eightfold Path. Our meditation is one of the foundational aspects of our practice. We wouldn't be able to attain enlightenment without meditation. But there's also a lot more to attaining enlightenment than just meditation alone. So I would like to thank all of you for joining us. I would like to thank all of you for deciding to learn and practice the teachings of Gautama Buddha. Each Saturday, we're going to be doing meditation. And then eventually, we'll be studying the Pali Canon as well on Saturday. We'll have the Pali Canon in English program starting right after our meditation. For the next two months after we meditate, I will open things up for questions on your meditation practice. If you do have other questions about the path, I can take those as well. But if you have any about meditation, let's prioritize those first. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, you can type your question into the comment section. Our moderator, Max, will make sure they get asked. And if you're in Zoom, you can do the same thing, or you can raise your hand electronically. So do we have any questions on meditation or any other aspects of the path to enlightenment? So I have a question, David. Before our meditation session, you discussed how we're not trying to stop thoughts. We'll always have thoughts. We're just not holding on to the thoughts. And during meditation, we're doing this by cutting off the thoughts. So my question then is, in that case, where do thoughts actually come from? So in other words, what is the cause of our thoughts, which we're then cutting off? The origin of the thoughts is the consciousness. As long as there's a consciousness, there's going to be thoughts. We need thoughts. We need ideas. We need these things in our life and we'll continue to have these for our entire life. That's how we get ideas of what careers to pursue. We get ideas about 
it would be a better idea for us to move to a new location. We get ideas about securing transportation to make our daily activities easier. We get ideas about maybe I should learn the Dhamma. Maybe I should learn the Buddhist teachings. These ideas are important and helpful to us in our life. They're coming from our consciousness. But as long as there's the pollution of craving, anger, ignorance, the self, and the ego, along with the ten fetters, as long as those are in the mind, there's going to be some degree of unwholesome thoughts that come to the mind. And if we act on those unwholesome thoughts, then we're going to be causing harm in the world. So if we're acting upon our cravings, it's going to cause harm. If we're acting upon our anger, our hatred, our ill will, it's going to cause harm. If we're acting out of ignorance or the self or the ego, it's going to cause harm in the world. Therefore, the harm is going to come back to us. So we're always going to have thoughts in life. But by purifying the mind through this entire Eightfold Path, the mind becomes enlightened and bright. It becomes uninhibited by all of this pollution of the mind and all of our thoughts in daily life will be wholesome and we'll be able to accomplish amazing things in our life. But as long as we allow the mind to be unenlightened and untrained, then we're going to have those unwholesome thoughts. We're going to act upon some of them potentially and we're going to be causing harm in the world. So this path is all about training the mind to move closer and closer to this enlightened mental state, which is peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. And one of the reasons why is because you're only experiencing wholesome thoughts. You're only acting upon wholesome thoughts because that's all you have in the mind as an enlightened being. The unwholesome thoughts are going to just continue and continue and continue until you get a handle on them. And you're going to cause yourself discontentedness continually. So it's a gradual process of moving through this path. And meditation, what we're doing is we're not eliminating the thoughts. Because again, we need those. We just need them to be more and more wholesome. So what happens is when you first start meditation or even later in your practice is you have all these random thoughts, all these unwholesome thoughts mixed in with wholesome thoughts and unwholesome thoughts and all these different things based on craving, anger, ignorance, the self and the ego, based on wholesome things that are coming to the surface and the mind isn't quite sure which thoughts to act upon because it's unknowing of true reality. It's ignorant to what these thoughts truly are. And it acts upon whatever it thinks is right at the time, but oftentimes it's not the best thing to, to do. So we essentially cause ourselves our own problems and our own struggles. But in meditation, what you're doing is as the thoughts arise, you're not labeling them. You're not judging them. In breathing mindfulness meditation, you're not labeling anything. You're not judging anything. You're just focusing on the breath. And when you notice the mind goes anywhere else, you're cutting it off and bringing it back. Cutting it off and bringing it back. Cutting it off and bringing it back. Essentially, it's like having a dog on a leash. 
and the dog keeps wandering over and smelling the flowers and you're pulling it back to the middle and then it wanders over here and kind of barks and growls at a couple people on the sidewalk and you're pulling it back to the middle then it sees the car running going down the street and it wants to chase after the car and you're pulling the dog back to the middle well eventually the dog gets tired of this and it just decides to walk in the middle and it no longer sniffs the flowers it no longer barks and growls at the people it no longer chases the cars it just stays in the middle so what you're doing in breathing mindfulness meditation is you're grabbing the mind and you're bringing it to the middle and any time that it wanders off the breath i.e anytime it wanders off the present moment you're bringing it back to the middle and the more and more that you do this you'll gain more and more control over the mind developing singleness of mind where the mind is solely focused on the present moment it never goes to the past it never goes to the future it just resides clearly in the present moment peaceful calm serene and content with joy permanently because you've trained it so well but you only get that if you continually do this practice you know two three times a day over many weeks and months and years so the thoughts are going to arise in meditation even when you're enlightened you're still going to have the occasional thought they slow down significantly and almost pretty much diminish but you're still going to have an occasional thought even when you're enlightened and what you do is you just notice boom you bring it back to the middle if there's anyone that tells you that when you meditate you shouldn't have any thoughts well ask them how do you know when you don't have any thoughts and they'll say well when you come out of meditation you'll know you didn't have any thoughts well having the thought that you didn't have any thoughts is an actual thought so you're not ever going to get to the point where there are no thoughts but you're going to get to the point where you have such control over your mind that it resides in the middle and if it does have thoughts in meditation or it has certain unwholesome thoughts outside of meditation or you even have pleasant thoughts in outside of meditation you're able to now control it and bring it back to the middle because you've done this so many times over repeated sessions in meditation that now outside of meditation you have utter control over the mind complete control even in the face of someone telling you you're not a Buddhist, you're not a teacher, you're you know, a horrible person, you look like a marshmallow man, you look like this, you look like that. Any kind of disparaging thoughts that anybody should share with you, you'll remain peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy because nothing can shake up your mind. But that's because you've trained it so well, you've gained control. So that dog that's your walking, you've trained it so well that it never wanders in any direction. It just stays right in the middle and you've got complete control over it. But between the unenlightened mind and the enlightened mind, there's a whole lot of time, effort, and energy that you have to apply to get there. So you're gonna experience discontentedness along the way, but you should see a slow diminishing of this as you train the mind more and more. Okay, thank you, David. I just have a couple of things to clarify then. So, 
thoughts are not the same as intentions. You can have a thought without having an intention. Is that correct? I think so. Uh, but I have another clarification, which is that, so you say thoughts arise from the consciousness. So in other words, under certain conditions, we will have these thoughts appear. Is how I understand that. So example, I might be walking along the beach and I might think, oh, I was at the beach this time last year with my friend and it was a nice day. And so under these conditions of walking along the beach on this date, this thought then arises. So our consciousness has picked up these experiences, some pleasant, some painful, some neither painful nor pleasant. And then based on what it encounters in the world, it will then have these, thought, these thoughts which appear kind of spontaneous, but actually they're still our karma, they're still the results of our decisions. And then it's on us whether we choose to set them in a certain direction with our intention, which then may become speech and actions. And so in our practice here, we're really taking control of those intentions, speech and actions as a way to decondition the mind and ultimately eliminate any kind of unwholesome thoughts and therefore any unwholesome intentions, speech and actions. That, that's kind of my current understanding, but I'm sure you might uh, try to correct me in a couple of areas there, but interested to know your thoughts. So let's take one question at a time so that we can just do one thing at a time. So the first one, the first question you had was, are thoughts and intentions the same or different? So I think of thoughts and intentions similarly and pretty much the same because you're going to have a certain thought arise and some people call this step on the Eightfold Path the second step. Some people call right intention, like which is what I call it. Other people call it right thought or right thinking. What that step relates to is the internal dialogue, the internal thought, intention, thinking, whatever we want to call that. The arising of something in the mind, if we want to call it something the arising of something in the mind. So whether we call it a thought or a thinking or intention, these are all the same things. And we don't have to really label them any more granular than that. It's just the arising of something in the mind. We can call it a thought, we can call it thinking, we can call it an idea, right? These are all essentially the same thing. And then whatever is arising in the mind then we act upon that through our speech and our actions, our bodily actions. So right now, in the unenlightened state, there's intentions or thoughts or thinking or however you want to describe it. There's something arising in the mind that's polluted with craving, anger, ignorance, the self, and the ego. Not every single thought, not every single intention, not every single thinking, but early on the path there's a lot of pollution and that's why your speech in the unenlightened state before getting on this path is very polluted and that's why you we have a lot of trouble in the world and we cause our own misery our own discontentness our actions they're bodily actions but they're coming from the intentions or the thoughts or the thinking of the mind which is once again polluted with craving anger ignorance the self and the ego so these bodily actions can be harmful. We can kill, we can steal, we can commit sexual misconduct, we can take intoxicants, 
we can punch somebody we can you know do all these bodily actions that are harmful we can just slap somebody or hit somebody intentionally out of anger and this causes harm so therefore harm comes to us so these intentions thoughts thinking it's all the same thing and they're polluted with these three poisons or three unwholesome roots or three fires these 10 fetters and the whole direction of practice is to eliminate these eliminate craving anger ignorance the self the ego which are the high level way of referring to these 10 individual fetters so it's the whole eightfold path that's going to improve one's practice improve their mind and attain enlightenment so if we only improved our thoughts and that's it but we didn't allow that to come into our speech and train our speech then we wouldn't ever experience enlightenment because even though we have pure thoughts or wholesome thoughts we're still speaking in an impure way or we're still having bodily actions that are causing harm so that's why it's an entire path to enlightenment that we need to perfect each individual step that's enlightenment is the perfection of these eightfold path there's no deviation from the eightfold path at all for an enlightened being so you're not going to see enlightened beings have unwholesome thoughts you're not going to see them practice wrong speech or harm through their bodily action you're not going to see them have a wrong livelihood you're not going to see anger frustration you're not going to see this burning desire for things you're not going to see them acting out of ignorance or unknowing of true reality you're not going to see a self or an ego this arrogance you're not going to see judgment what you're going to see is loving kindness compassion sympathetic joy equanimity generosity you're going to see a genuine interest in all beings being well and that individual exerting energy and effort to ensure they're not causing harm to others and help others in whichever way that they can whether it's through sharing these teachings or they open a certain business that is being done really well and conducted really well or they're a politician who are working to the benefit of humanity and the people they serve or any number of different occupations that we can hold as enlightened beings so thinking thought and intentions all the same thing the second question go ahead and say that again well in essence it was where then exactly do thoughts come from i know it's the consciousness but then is it that they are arising under certain conditions essentially like okay i happen to be in this place at this time on that basis a thought can arise based on what we know already based on experiences we've had in the past and they're then potentially coming through these three defilements of craving anger and ignorance which we're working to eliminate uh, but until we do that they're going to be kind of acting as a kind of filter on these uh, thoughts that come into the mind so am i thinking along the right lines there in terms of how thoughts actually manifest in the first place I think going beyond just the understanding that thoughts arise in the mind, as long as there's consciousness, there's going to be thoughts. I don't think there's any other granular level of detail that we understand beyond that. 
thoughts are always going to arise as long as there's consciousness there's going to be thoughts and we have these thoughts we need to purify them we need to train the mind to control the mind but anything more granular than there's consciousness so therefore there's a thought i don't think that there's anything there that we can really explain and if we were able to i don't know that it's going to change the fact that we need to purify the thoughts yeah okay yeah makes sense thank you so i can see that michael's hand is up so michael i'm going to ask to unmute you now and allow you to say your question live thank you david uh max and david that's a great uh explanation you had regarding about uh, the process and uh so my question is was uh with the so with the breathing mindfulness meditation then so even when it comes to everything and uh, including uh, getting sleepy so it's really all about putting the mind in the middle then right when it comes to everything yeah the number one goal is you know removing this craving desire attachment working on these other poisons the anger the ignorance the self the ego eliminating these 10 fetters and as you're doing all of that you're also training the mind to come into the middle the present moment where the mind doesn't reside or dwell in the past it doesn't long for the future because if it does then the mind's not going to be peaceful calm serene and content with joy like right here when we're talking right now we're right now but i'm sure you've been in conversations we all have where we're talking about the past or we're talking about the future or we're longing and aspiring for certain things or scared or anxious about the future or worried about the past and talking about the past as long as we do that with the mind and we allow the mind to go in those directions either the past or the future it's not going to be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. It's only in the present moment. So breathing mindfulness meditation, we're accomplishing many goals. We're training the mind to eliminate craving, desire, attachment, so that it doesn't long and search outside of itself. We're building awareness of mind or mindfulness so that we can observe the thoughts that are arising, but then cut them off and let them go. So we're building awareness of mind we're also rooting the mind in the present moment in developing concentration and singleness of mind in the present moment. Because in the present moment, if I'm trying to practice this whole eightfold path, which includes things like right speech and right action, which becomes very detailed, trying to hit all of those five factors of well-spoken speech, for example. If my mind is in a conversation with you, but I'm kind of like thinking about the past or longing for the future, I don't have singleness of mind and concentration, then it's going to be really hard and difficult for me to practice all these five factors, which means I'm going to be causing harm because I'm not practicing all these five factors. So by training the mind to be in the present moment with concentration and singleness of mind, by training the mind to have this awareness of the mind, so that when the mind does go to the past or it does go to the future, you can cut that off and bring it back to the middle. Then more and more and more, your mind is residing in the middle with concentration and singleness of mind. And now you're able to communicate with right speech all the time, all the time, all the time. And you will experience 
better and better and better relationships because of this. Likewise, there's a whole host and range of other things that can cause harm in the world, not just our speech. So by maintaining this concentration and singleness of mind, it's allowing you to be able to understand all of these teachings of the Buddha, soak them into the mind with wisdom, and ensure that every single moment you're practicing them. When you first get started, it's a big chore. Even the first six months, a year, year and a half, it's a big chore to just learn all of these teachings and bring them all into the mind and try to put them all together through a daily practice. But the more and more that you have this meditation practice supporting you all the way through, your mind will come more and more into the present moment with this wisdom of the teaching soaked into the mind. And now you'll be able to conduct your daily life with more and more wisdom, more and more singleness of mind, where you have this wisdom, this moral conduct, and this mental discipline of the Eightfold Path that you never deviate from. That's how you're moving the mind in that direction and getting closer and closer to it all the time. And when you deviate from it, rather than feel guilty or shameful or you've done anything wrong, you just take note of it like, okay, I kind of interrupted that guy a few times. Let me improve that. Or, okay, I uh, told a little bit of a white lie there. That wasn't good. I shouldn't do that. Or, okay, I didn't quite have as much loving kindness as I would have liked to when I was speaking to this person. Let me ensure that I'm practicing with more loving kindness in my future conversations. So understanding that you're a work in progress you're always a work in progress. Even when you get to enlightenment and you no longer experience any discontentedness whatsoever, you still don't even consider yourself enlightened and just continue to be a work in progress and continue to gain more and more wisdom, continue to ensure you have outstanding moral conduct and ensure you have superb mental discipline all the time. But remember, it's a journey. Okay, thank you, David. We have no more questions. Okay, so I'll just thank you guys for joining us for this very first Saturday live guided meditation session. We're going to be doing this each Saturday where I'm just going to say welcome. Thank you for being here. And we go right into meditation. And I don't time the meditations. I'm not sure how long they're going to be each time, but we're going to do some real thorough meditation. Today, this was a one-hour meditation, pretty much. And then afterwards, we will move into allowing questions like we just did now. Once we get to January 9th, where we're doing the Pali Canon and English study group, then what I'll be doing is I probably will be timing our meditations there because I, I don't usually time meditations, but we need to get studying the Pali Canon. So we'll probably do a 10 or 20-minute meditation and then go into studying the Pali Canon in English as part of our study. So we'll get to that on January 9th, and I will start leading you guys through the Pali Canon and helping you to study. If you don't already have a set of these books, you may decide that you would like to order a set of these and get them sent to your home so that you can read them as part of the Pali Canon study group. 
I do have seven of these books in PDF format. They're kind of like the older versions of these books, so they don't have everything, but they have a fair amount of the content. They're linked in our Facebook group under the unit section. If you scroll down to the bottom of the unit section, you'll see the Buddha Wajana books and they're in there. So if you aren't able to support having these shipped to your house, because it's $150 to be able to do that and ship these worldwide. If you're not able to afford that, you can at least go in there and I have seven of the 13 books in PDF format. I'm working on getting all of them, but it doesn't really look too promising right now because there's a company that owns the rights to these books. And I'm still trying to work through that. The author who did most of the translations, Bhikkhu Bodhi, he's more than interested in having these books be freely available through PDF. But the organization who's responsible and owns these, I haven't been able to directly connect with yet and find out if they would be willing to allow these to be released on PDF. The only reason why I do have seven of these in PDF is because some of the people at the temple have been able to acquire them here and there, and I've been able to kind of acquire some of them, but not all of them. So I'm going through and doing all the right checks and ensuring that we get the proper approvals to be able to release these on PDF, because ideally everybody could download them on PDF. But some people just really enjoy having a printed book. So if you would like a set of those, go to our website, buddhadailywisdom.com and under the online classes, if you go under the online classes, all the way at the bottom of that page, you will see the link to get a set of these. And that's where we're gonna be studying the Buddhist teachings. The group learning program that I've been teaching now for about a year, about 10 months online through these live classes, but really even before that, for the last year, year and a half in text format, that's been going on for about a year, year and a half. And students are now getting to the point where they're ready to move into the Buddhist teachings exactly from his words. So the group learning program with the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana, is like a bachelor's degree or master's degree in Buddhist studies. And that's going to create a real nice framework for you of the Buddhist teachings and provide you a foundation in which to structure your practice and really get you headed in the right direction. And once you've done that program either live in our live classes or you've studied it independently with the book and progressing through reading and the podcast, the videos, the quizzes, things like this. Once you've done that, then you can move into the Pali Canon in English study group where you're studying directly from the words of the Buddha because that's like a PhD program. So if you haven't yet studied in the group learning program, be sure that wherever you're watching this, you look in the description of either the video or the podcast and you download that book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana, so that you can start reading chapter by chapter. You can start listening to the audiobook. You can listen and watch the videos, the podcast, take the quizzes, and you can progress in your learning, creating a really nice framework for yourself. And then you'll be able to move into the Pali Canon and English study group.
The group learning program, this iteration of it, is going to finish on January 27th. And then shortly thereafter, it's going to start up again at the beginning of February, where we're going to go for another six months, starting at the very beginning of the book, chapter one. So if you're either studying independently now, or you've just kind of come into the group learning program and you never got a chance to start at the beginning, that's okay because we're gonna keep this on a rotating schedule where we're starting every six months. And you can always start now, kind of pick up wherever we are, and then start back again when we get to chapter one. And the Polycanon in English study group is gonna be exactly the same way. We're just gonna to continue to teach that over and over and over again. It's a seven month program. So you can come into that program at any point. But the important thing is, is if you're able, don't just start in the Polycanon study group because that's like studying a PhD. We need you to get your bachelor's and master's degree first so that you can progress gradually through that program, having a really nice framework for your practice and understanding of these teachings, and then move into studying the Buddha's words directly, which will start on the 9th of January. So tomorrow on Sunday, we'll be studying chapter 15 in the book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Nibbana. This chapter is called The Difficult Human Existence sickness, aging, and death. So if you haven't yet read that or listened to the audiobook, go ahead and do that prior to our class tomorrow, if you can. And if you can't, just come to the class. That's fine. You don't have to do it before, but either do it before class or after class. Or if you really want to study these teachings really deeply, study the chapter in either written format or the audiobook before class, come to the class, and then afterwards, study it again, either in written form or audiobook form, because then you'll really get a chance to soak these teachings in deeply. And remember, your meditation practice is your foundation. You need that to be going every single day as an independent, dedicated, purposeful training sessions every single day. If you're doing this once every three or four days right now, ramp your practice up where you're consistently meditating once a day. And when you get that under your belt for a few weeks, then ramp it up to twice a day. Do that for a few weeks or a couple of months. And once you get that ramped up and you start seeing all these benefits that are coming to you, see if you can ramp that up to three times a day, which is what the Buddha did. But if you can't quite get there, that's okay. Even if you get morning and evening twice a day, that would be wonderful for a household practitioner. If you can get in meditation in the morning and in the evening before bed, that is outstanding. But if you're just doing meditation once every three or four days, you're not gonna to get to enlightenment that way. You have to have more dedication. You have to have more commitment to your practice. And you're gonna see much more progress and more results. So you've gotta to get to once a day and even twice a day. And if that's where you're comfortable, then I think you'll be okay there with twice a day. But if you can move it to three times a day, once you get up there and just gradually build it up stronger and stronger, you're going to notice a lot more benefits coming to you. And that means that the condition of the mind is going to be improving more and more and more and more and more. So stay dedicated to this. 
have confidence in the Buddha. His teachings are the truth. The more you learn and practice these teachings, build your confidence. Learn these teachings. See the wisdom in them. Remove any doubts you have about the teachings through learning and practicing them and gaining the wisdom in these teachings. Have confidence in the Buddha. Have confidence in me that I'm teaching you and guiding you in a direction that is going to be beneficial for you. If you do the things that I share with you, your mind and the training of your mind will move closer and closer to enlightenment. But it starts with your dedication, your effort, and you need confidence in the Buddha and you need confidence in your teacher. So continue to learn, continue to practice. We're going to have these three classes per week, but then remember it's still an independent journey that requires independent dedication and effort. So thank you for choosing to learn and practice these teachings. I'll see you either Sunday, next Wednesday, or Saturday, perhaps all three days. Until then, have a really wonderful rest of your day and take care. Sawadikap. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. To access more teachings, visit buddhadailywisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.